I love that picture of the baby and the real makeshift manger that's there. And just the story is, you know, of course, this is the week before Christmas. Next week is Christmas Eve. And just the, as our whole nation and much of the world turns our focus to Christmas and this whole entire thing, you know, it's just awesome for us to remember and the good visualization to see the, the baby in the manger. If you'll turn with your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We're going to read a passage of Scripture, and we're going to jump in in the middle of it, but I want to just kind of paint the picture of what was going on ahead of it. The, the prophet Isaiah is meeting with this king, and, and the Lord had told him to ask him, what would you like for me to do to prove to you that I'm God? It's kind of a, a fleece kind of situation that he says, hey, what is it you want me to do that will prove to you that I really am great? Make it big. Make it hard. I don't care. I'm God. And the king's like, no, I would never do that. I'm not that kind of guy. And, and I'm not going to ask you for anything. And I will just, you know, he was just this piety that's going on. And it's a rather unique story. And we pick up in chapter 7, verse 14. It says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. In other words, if you're not going to ask God for something hard, God's going to tell you something. He's going to choose it for you. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, that's a most unusual sign to me, because this was written approximately, give or take, 700 years before Jesus actually came. So this isn't like, okay, tomorrow the, the moon is going to turn red and you're going to see, you know, bats flying everywhere or there's going to be frogs. There's many other signs that could be there that you say tomorrow. is like, oh my gosh, God really did it. This one had to wait 700 years to see the fulfillment and we get a snapshot into God's not into time and space and they all died obviously, before they saw the realization of this scripture coming. But it's interesting that the thing that he's going to pick, the thing that he's going to show is that he's sending his son. God himself will send Jesus. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. We pick up the story in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now next week, we will see from Mary's perspective the whole story of Jesus and what, how that affected her and, and all. But this week, we're looking at it from Jesus's perspective. Chapter 1, verse 18, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. And I love the Bible. It's just so plain. It just lays it out there so that anybody can understand it, that I don't have to understand everything about all of theology to read this and go, hey, I get it. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have as much of an understanding of the stigma that is associated now with Mary as there was in that time. But it was a really, really big deal. Here they're engaged. She is the fiance. They're both like heading down this path. And they've got the wedding date planned. It's all going to be this big celebration. Family probably have their travel plans, you know, their vacation to get off work, to come and be there to see Mary and Joseph get married. And Mary comes and has a conversation with Joseph and says, um, yeah, I've got to tell you something. Um, I'm pregnant and 
God is the Father. Now, that wouldn't fly today any more than it probably flew then. It only happened one time. It'll only happen one time in history, and it's this time. But can you imagine Mary, this 12, 13, 14-year-old girl, and that developmental part of her mind where she was at, having to go to her fiancé and say, I know what you're going to think, but it really is that I am pregnant. That's true. But it's from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph has got a choice to be made. Now, at that time, as her fiancé, he had the choice that he could have had her put to death. He could have had her taken outside and made this big deal and stoned her to death because she's obviously been unfaithful to him. We see in verse 19, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So I love the next verse, the first few words, and as he considered this. So he wasn't this impulsive man that just did this knee-jerk reaction. It's like, you tell me you're pregnant and you're starting to show a little bit. Oh my gosh, you were, uh, can't you be faithful to me? I mean, I thought we are in love. I mean, can't you imagine that conversation? I mean, it must have been so terrible. Can't you see Mary crying and say, but Joseph, you don't understand. He goes, oh, I understand, all right. Like, no, you don't understand. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't even fathom the thought that God made Mary pregnant. Can you imagine her trying to explain it to somebody? But as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel told him, everything that Mary told you is actually true. It's what God has ordained, and you are to name him Jesus. He's on a mission, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But can you imagine, Joseph is sitting here, got this huge quandary. He's not much older than Mary is, so he's a teenager. And he's sitting here, thought his life was all mapped out, thought it's all going to work out fine. But they're in this tiny, tiny town, and now everybody's for the rest of their life going to know. Joseph and Mary, they must have been doing stuff they weren't supposed to do before they got married. So now the stigma isn't just on Joseph, on Mary, it's now on Joseph. He could have put her away privately like he was contemplating, or he could have done it publicly and disgraced her and had her put to death or some variation therein. But now God says, I want you to join in this journey. I want you to take her as your wife. So now he's going to be judged as having been jumping the gun. If that was happening today, it would not be that big of a deal. It'd be just like, oh yeah, Joseph and Mary, yeah, they've probably been living together and we didn't know it. And yeah, that's what the kids these days now do. And it would not even be an issue. 
It might actually be an issue for God to find someone who had kept themselves like Mary had today, but this was then. It was a huge thing. They would follow them forever. It would follow Jesus forever as well as, yeah, you're the son. You're the product of them not making the right choices. Joseph, with this dream, decided to follow God. See, God sent his son with a mission. God was no longer satisfied with the temporary sacrifices that was being made after Adam and Eve in the fall of sin, where they had to bring some level of an animal, whether it's a bird or a lamb or a cow or whatever it was based on the whole thing. I'm not going to get into all of that stuff on the scale of that, but that was just a temporary sacrifice that was made to be there for their sins. God wanted to have the permanent. So that was the purpose. And we saw it in what the angel told him. That God sent Jesus and you'll, to call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. That was his goal. That was his mission. God was on a mission to pay for the sins of the world. That's where we see the name of Jesus. But I love the fact that it wasn't just His name is Jesus, and he's going to pay for the sins of the world. God actually came to the earth to become one of us. Can't you just imagine the the ultimate James Bond scenario? Because if I'm doing this, and maybe if you and I were conspiring as to how to really do this so it worked out to the best, we'd say, you know, okay, God is sending his son, and the baby's going to be born, and we're going to kind of keep that quiet, and we're going to let him, he's got to be 33 years old, so we're just going to keep him segregated over here. Maybe we're going to hide him behind the Christmas tree, and he's just going to stay over here. There's nothing to see here. No, 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 you don't need to see anything over here. There's nobody here, and just keep it all quiet. And when it's the appointed time, when he's 33, he's going to just walk into Jerusalem, and, and God's going to make it so that he's able to pay for the sacrifice of sin, and it'll be this big scene, and maybe they'll sell tickets to it, or they're going to talk about it for a here's God's son. He's gonna, he could have done this whole thing because that was part of it for him to pay for the sins of the earth of all the people. He could have just accomplished that. Everything just tucked away here. Can't you see him hiring like a transporter to keep the package that, you know, it's got darked out suburban, you know, blacked out windows. So you, everywhere he's going, you can't see who's in there. And, and that's how I would have done it. I would have kept him all tucked away over here so nothing can happen to him so he's ready for the sacrifice. But you see, God wasn't satisfied just with it being the sacrifice. He prophesied even 700 years before that it wanted to be God with us. That Jesus was going to come and he was going to rub shoulders and he's going to pick somebody that's a fisherman that didn't know anything. He wasn't a godly um, person in religious world. That he wasn't a preacher. He wasn't all the Pharisees, Sadducees. He wasn't all this stuff. He was just going to be somebody that's like, hey, I know how to catch fish. And then he comes over here and gets this other guy as a tax collector. And he's like, come follow me. And like, hey, Jesus, do you really know who he is? We probably don't want him associated with us. And, and if you knew who she was, and Lord, uh, Jesus, if you knew, hey, uh, whoa, hold on. He's like, no, I came to be with you. I came to hang and be God with us. So in this season, leading up to next week when we celebrate Christmas,
God is with us. You'll even see it on some of the greeting cards and some of the signs. Emmanuel, God with us. Now I don't know how long you've been in church and I don't know how many messages you've heard, particularly at Christmas, with the scriptures leading from Leviticus. But if you'll turn your Bible with me to Leviticus chapter 26. So we're in the third book of the Bible. So this is way, way, way back in the very beginning. It's part of the Torah. It's part of the five that the, the Jews and the Hebrew people still today will memorize and, and they'll get it all going on. And we see here in verse 6, God is speaking. He says, I will give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep. Can I tell you, that's God's still heart for us today. He wants us to have peace in our lives. And that place that you find yourself, with all the hustle and the bustle and all the stress and all the things that are coming against you, he says, I will give you peace in the land, and you'll be able to sleep with no cause for fear. We sang the song this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. And I love it. It was picked on purpose because it fits so well into this whole thing. This is God from the very beginning of the Bible, way to the left of the beginning, right after the the list of all the concordance. It's all right there. It's it's right here. It's like, man, I'm all about you having peace and being able to sleep at night. You know, you can have all the world's cares, all the worries that are trying to pull at you and tug at you. And when you're trusting in God and you can sleep, everything's okay. The converse side of that is you can have everything around you all right. And if you're not at peace and you can't sleep, everything isn't okay. See, God says, I'm here for you, for there's no cause for fear. Verse 9 says, And I will look favorably upon you and make you fertile and multiplying your people, and I will fulfill my covenant with you. See, God's all about covenant from the very beginning all the way to the end. You will have such a surplus, surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. Doesn't that sound like even what's in the New Testament where it says, I'm not going to put my new wine in the old wineskins. He says, you got to clear out the old grain even to make room for new because I, verse 11, will live among you. He says, I want to be there. I just want to hang out with you and I will not despise you. In the very beginning of the Bible, in the third book of the Bible, he lays out, I want to just be with you. I'm not going to despise you. I don't know about you, but I can't go five minutes without tripping up and making a mistake and going, God, I'm so in need of a Savior, and I don't know how I can hang with you because I'm, I'm desperately needing you to save me. I can't do this good stuff all the time. And I make mistakes and you're, you're perfect and you're holy. He's like, I'm not going to despise you. I just want to hang with you. I love that we're even getting the gospel written in here. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus coming to be the, pay for the sins of the world. He says in John three seventeen, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He's like, I want to be among you, and I'm not going to condemn you, despise you. 
John 3.17 says, I'm not here to judge you. Verse 12, I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be my people. See, there's relationship that's just woven all in this. From the very beginning, we see in Leviticus. Leviticus isn't going to be one of those books that we read through. It's probably not going to be one that you see in your Bible studies. You say, hey, we're going to have a small group studying the book of Leviticus. You're never going to hear Michael get up here and say, hey, this month we're going to be studying the book of Leviticus. Everybody, It's not one of those kinds of things. That in Deuteronomy is kind of like... Yeah, those are great, but yeah, I don't really like those. But even in the middle of that, God says, it's about relationships. I want it to be God with us. I want to be your God. Verse 13, he goes, and I am the Lord your God who brought you out. You're no longer slaves. I love this so much. Because even in the third book of the Bible, we're seeing what the theme of our church is. We want you to know God. He says, I want to hang out with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Number two is we want you to find freedom. He's like, I'm the Lord God who brought you out. You're no longer a slave. He's like, I've done this part in your life, and I I want you to realize there's no longer a reason to stay a slave because I've done this for you. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck. See, God could have just sent Jesus to pay for sins. Man, that would have been amazing. Can you imagine if the story was just what I described earlier? That God sent his son, that Mary was there, and Joseph was there, and Jesus was born, and he just kept aside. And then at 33 years old, at the right time that we'll call it Easter, and, and then Jesus comes, and he's out there, and he's crucified on the cross. It's terrible, but he pays for my sins. And I'm like, man, I don't deserve it, but thank you, God, for doing this. That's an amazing story just by itself. something I so need. But I'm telling you what makes me mushy inside. He told Joseph, call his name Jesus. He's going to pay for your sins. But he's also Emmanuel. God with us. So he's not just setting up this place that, okay, I paid your check. I wrote the check. Now just kind of stay over there. He's like, no. I want to have this personal relationship with you that we just hang out. I'm not going to look at all the bad stuff that you haven't got around to fixing yet. I just want to be with you. See, because God wanted then. He's always wanted. And even today, he's sitting here saying the same thing. He just wants to be with us. It's about a personal relationship relationship God with us that little baby I think they have a a picture of that we can put up here that little baby in the little crude trough grew into this person who says I'm here from God I'm here on assignment But that assignment isn't just to pay for your sins. 
I want to have a personal one-on-one with you. I want it to go both ways. Personal relationship. Can I tell you some great news? Even when you feel all alone, God is with us. Think about that. When it doesn't look like God's here, when it looks like God just kind of has turned my back, turned his back on me, and I, I, I thought I was doing all right, God, but I thought all these things, but where are you? God is with us. Doesn't matter if you feel it. Doesn't matter how alone you feel. Let me tell you the good news is today. That little baby born in a manger came also to be with you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I can never talk about the greatness enough of Jesus paying for our sins. For paying for my sins so I don't have to. See, hell isn't a place that people go because you're bad. It isn't a party place. It isn't a place that you just, you know, everybody's like, yeah, I'll meet you in hell. All that stuff. That isn't true. Hell simply is a place you go to pay for your own sins. But the good news is you don't have to. God with us also Jesus came to pay for our sins. Can never talk too much about that. But this morning, as we focus on Christmas, it's equally wonderful that God loved us enough. He loved me enough that He wanted to hang out with me. God with us. Even when you're all alone and you feel like everyone's rejected you, He is there. So this morning, I don't know where you find yourself. Whether you're in this room, whether you're listening online, whether you're listening to podcasts, all the different ways you can listen. Jesus wants a personal relationship. He wants to be God with us to you. Can I make it a little bit more personal? He wants it to be God with you. God with me. The first step of that is to say, I'm ready to give him a chance. God, I'm ready to go all in. I don't understand it all. I don't, don't have it all worked out in my head. And even as Joseph is contemplating what he's going to do, I'm willing to give you a shot. If that's you this morning, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm just going to help you with the words, but this is between you and a God that wants to be personal with you. See, there's a time to be public with your face faith and that's baptism but right now this is between you and God that's why we ask you to bow your head and to close your eyes because this isn't about me this isn't about joining a church this is about a God who sent his son to be God with us that's you this morning I want you to say this prayer God in heaven thank you for sending Jesus 
pay for my sins so I don't have to. Thank you that he was God with us. That he wants to be with me. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender, there's the big word, everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, to the best of my ability, I'm going to live for you with all of my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for all the rest of us and Lord, maybe those who have made a decision to follow you. God, those of us who have walked with you for a while, Lord, that we will recognize beyond even the salvation is wonderful. How awesome it is that you want to be with us. God, Lord, help me to take my relationship with you to the next level. To focus that it's not just about fulfilling a Saturday service or a Sunday service or a checkbox to say, yeah, I fulfilled that God part of my, but he wants, you want to be with us on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, every moment. You love me so much and concerned so much about me. You know all the hairs on my head. You know everything that's going on with us. Lord, we see scriptures every week of how much you care for us. You want to be God with us. God, help us to take that relationship to the next level. Lord, I give you this day. Give you this message. And pray, Lord, that it impacts the people who hear it as much as it impacted me. Jesus' name I pray. Amen.